Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome to Climbing the Pocket Network's In the Huddle, where your favorite Climbing the Pocket personalities get together and talk all things Minnesota Vikings. Boom! We are back once again. It is In the Huddle. I'm your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And uh, I mean, we got to start things off. If you're viewing, you know why we're going here first. We got to start off with Super Dad. Wide receiver one, the last man to put the clamps on Adam Thielen. Miles, what up, what up? how's it going? How you doing? Doing double well, duty you know. tonight. Got a special guest. What's happening, my man? Yeah, man. Got a you know, wife's got some stuff she got to take care of. You know, kids in bed, uh, son's in bed, and then you know, so somebody's got to watch the old girl. So, you know, dad mode right here. Love it, love it, love it. Though, well, let's just keep this thing rolling along. Mr. Peloton, Mr. Ortega, Mr. Sooner, how you doing? How you been? I am great, man. Thanks for having me on tonight. Excited to talk a little football here, man. It's 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 always a pleasure to be on with you guys. So, love it, love it, love it. And uh, I don't know, we 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 still got you listed as Dave. Your name starts with a D, so I guess we can get away with it. Deshaun, my man, Mr. The O Line is just one player away, always. The O line will determine our fate in every season. How you doing, my man? How's it going? Yeah, I can. I'm good. I can be Dave tonight. I can. <laughs> <laughs> Let those takes fly, my man. Well, we had a bunch of stuff on here that we were supposed to talk about, and then you know Doogie went and just messed up the whole plan. Actually, no, he is. He gave us content. Thank you very much, Doogie. We got to talk about it. Uh, Everson Griffin reunion. Deshaun, what are your thoughts? Hey, I mean, you got to do whatever you got to do to get this O-line jumping. And O-line. we can... O-line. I mean, the D-line. D-line jumping. I mean, we can forget <laughs> Kirk feelings. Deshaun got O-line on the mind, man. <laughs> <laughs> Never go away. Listen, I came here ready to defend my takes. Y'all have me. <laughs> <laughs> so I like it. Um, I think if he comes back in that pass rushing capacity, he was already outperforming our two guys from last season. And you get the the twin kicks coming back. I know Dale Hunter would be pumped. I think it's just it's a good it's a feel good move for just about everyone. I mean, I don't think anybody cares about Kirk Cousins' feelings, but for most people, I think the team will love it. <laughs> you just get that guy back in the locker room, teach the young guys. And uh, I guess, Ryan, how do you look at this? Are you looking at this as like a positive and like Everson coming back? Or are we looking at this as an indictment of just, I mean, the guys that we already saw as potentially weak links. And then, you know, when the game happened and we're not going to overreact, it's preseason, one versus twos, all that good stuff. But like, do you think that they saw that and were like, whoa, because I mean, they've had opportunities to sign Everson for a while now. Uh, how much do you think that preseason game factored into this potential reunion? Yeah, I think it's a data point, you know, uh, you know, they, they didn't perform overly well against their ones. And these guys are supposed to be ones when I say they want them in Weatherly. And um, I, I don't think that it's the sole factor of why they're bringing in Everson. Everson has a lot of equity here at uh, with the Vikings and um, has been a great leader for this team over the years. Obviously, he you know departed last year and, and, and I, I, he wanted to come back. So the, the whole Kirk Cousins comment that Deshaun said that, you know, that should be funny because uh, in, in terms of how they patch that up, because these, these will be two leaders on the team. Right. And yeah, Zim don't uh, give and, up. Zim don't know. And, and he really shouldn't, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really shouldn't either. You know, I think that actually pushes you to be better and 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 to prove Everson wrong, right? And hopefully Kirk takes it takes it like that. I don't think Kirk cares. I don't think he cares a jack about what anyone thinks of him, besides maybe his dad. So 
and, and the man upstairs. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I think that it, it's not so much an indictment, I think, as more you always want to be able to provide more depth. And, and maybe it's just an indictment more so on the, and on the guys that are even further down the depth chart and where they're, where they're at currently right now in their developmental stage. That's a great point. So, Miles, where do we even see Everson Griffin <laughs> slotting in on this roster? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, twin kicks, we're thinking about all this stuff. Like, at what level do we expect Everson Griffin to even play? Is he coming in as a starter? Or like Ryan pointed out, might he be just a, like a depth piece to, to help us out a little bit? Well, with all the guys they brought in this offseason from like a draft, Stephen Weatherly standpoint, they got Wanham coming back. Where where they're at at the end, there there kind of is a logjam. So not to say that they can't move on from a Weatherly or uh, even try to sneak a, one of the rookies through uh, practice squad or what have you, but it's clear that they're not seeing enough from anybody to warrant the depth that they're looking for at that at that rotation. It's interesting because obviously it's a workout, so there's no guarantee Everson's getting signed. But you know, if if he's in good shape. You know, all things point to, you know, him getting signed tomorrow, assume, you know, assuming things go well. Um, did I see that? Was it Patrick Jones might have been, might be banged up or hurt? Like, there could be one of those situations where maybe one of the young guys is, is hurt and banged up. So it's a, just another, another excuse to get a guy in. Um, in my opinion, though, if, if none of the rookies are hurt, maybe it means you move on from Weatherly. You kick Weatherly out the door because, like, He's supposed to be your Everson Griffin, essentially, in this case. Like, they could have had Everson Griffin back in the spring for the same price as Weatherly, and he'd, he'd have been here all offseason. He'd have been here, you know, handling his business. He'd already be up to speed. Um, but they chose Weatherly because they felt Weatherly could be a guy for them. But I don't. I think we all knew that that wasn't a certainty. There's nothing – you know, we've seen Weatherly play. There's nothing special there. So – um, in my opinion, if, if you do it, you might want to consider getting rid of Weatherly for that, for that reason. I mean, they probably won't because they like the stability. They like knowing who he is, what he does. And, and you know, the, the, this coaching staff specifically very much is a, our guys type of have, – they have that like our guys mentality. So um, it will be interesting to see how he slots in if they do sign him because um, that just pushes the rookies, Patrick Jones – um, Janarius Robinson pushes those guys down the pecking order even more. Um, but it also just tells you that maybe they're not as confident in Wanham's development, which that, that one's a little bit more disappointing to me than anybody else is like Wanham's the guy from last year. You're hoping to see that take a next step. So you wouldn't even need an Everson Griffin. Uh, but they're, they're obviously not seeing that. Oh, <laughs> and then there's Flip. Strong, they better. They better. They better sign up. I, I'm not even here to talk about Flip. I'm here to say, what's up, Mary? How you doing? Thanks for coming through. Wait, we know I, that the calendar can, can was I, packed for you. So just wanted to say shout out to Mary, Raymond, everybody uh, else out there in the comments uh, saying what's up to us. My bad, Miles. You go wait, ahead. Can I? No, yeah, I just want to say one more thing, Deshaun, then, then Deshaun, you go ahead. I think the Vikings should have been aiming higher than a Weatherly or, an, or even an Everson Griffin at this stage if they really were worried about their, their defensive end situation. They didn't. And it's probably going to come back to bite him in the ass now uh, because they don't have those guys in place. So um, they should have been aiming higher earlier in the offseason than, than, than waiting till now. So it, I think it's, it's worth mentioning that they like having that rotation. They like having four to five guys who can come in on any down and rush to passer. And without Everson Griffin, I think they have maybe three at most with it being Hunter Richardson and then maybe Tomlinson. And then you have like the what ifs in Wanham and then you have Weatherly. So if you keep Weatherly, you have somebody who you know can be pretty okay in run defense. And then you get that rotation of four to five guys who can rush the passer on any down. So I feel like they don't have to, they don't have to let anybody go for Everson to fit, but I would probably just taper expectations to like maybe only playing like half the snaps, maybe even less than that, and just being that pure pass rush guy. Yeah, I mean, and, and, like Everson in a third down role. Everson not yeah. wearing number ninety seven would look weird, by the way. Coming back and wearing oh, yeah. like fifty six or some shit. No, I don't ever know. For sure. No, well, and another right? another thing too. Another thing too is that you know when he was here, we did uh, actually push him over into the three tech and, on pass rush situations. Uh, so that would give us uh, Sheldon Richardson. Uh, yeah, that NASCAR package uh, alive yeah. and well. 
Yeah. So, you know, you, you have, you know, potentially him at three tech, uh, Sean Richardson at the nose, so to speak, in, in an obvious pass situation. Um, and then, you know, Hunter and whatever, you know, of those the rest of those guys can, can, you know, be the best pass rusher um, over at the other end. And that could be a, you know, maybe a lethal, you know, third down or obvious pass situation uh, rotation there. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of flexibility that he provides because he is kind of a bigger D end. Uh, he, always has been. And, um, you know, you can definitely utilize him in a lot of different ways. And, and again, the other thing too, is that leadership that he brings, because a lot of people on that team do respect him regardless of what's been said and what's happened in the past. So. Love it. All right. So we, we, we go from potentially a good news story flip saying they better do the right thing, but uh, you know, there was a game. And so, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit here. Deshaun, you were one of the, uh, Say maybe the the beacons of hope through the uh, through the negativity after that game because I mean the game there wasn't much to really be happy about or cheer about if you were a Vikings fan. Uh, but Deshaun, you you were out there telling us like it, it's not that bad. We need to calm down. We need to stop the doom and gloom. Why is it that you were able to come away from that game feeling optimistic? So I think once you rewatch the game and you focus more on individual battles, you start to see some guys actually do pretty okay. So uh, like like yesterday we said uh, pretty pretty break, okay break. is not a very uh, like you know that's not a rousing endorsement you know you've said it a couple uh, times now like pretty I mean they're pretty okay I mean you know because these that, aren't that these aren't the guys that for the Vikings in the Kirk Cousins era <laughs> these aren't guys that you maybe want to throw out as ones against like master defenses but these are depth like i got mason cole and blake brandle who all played a massive amount of snaps and didn't give up a single pressure so we've been talking all offseason about how the vikings are top heavy and then you have these certain guys who went out there and did their job and now provide us with the depth that we said we didn't have now on the defensive side of the ball that wasn't really there much. I feel like almost everybody on the defense got their butt handed to him. But guys like Patrick Jones, who kind of made the most of their situation, he led the team in TFLs with three. And then you have Armand Watts was okay. <laughs> Did you, had, you see uh, the play where where uh, where uh, was it? Bulls drove uh, Armand Watts like to the parking lot. Brandon Thorne, I think he had a, he had a clip about it. It was it was bad, but it, that's just one play. But still. Yeah, so, so it was, and, and it was stuff like that. It's like these guys will they'll come out, they'll do okay for a couple snaps, and they'll just have this one snap that looks looks really ugly. And then I think Blake Lynch did the same thing, or James Lynch did the same thing, where he was doing okay, and then he just and, <laughs> and then he just had these ugly snaps back to back, and the Broncos ended up, I think, scoring a TD on that drive. So there, as far as depth reasons go, it wasn't super doom and gloom also with the wide receivers i know a lot of people were really disappointed in the wide receivers especially ism because they had big expectations for him but the game plan was very very watered down he did do some things wrong like i like i didn't like how he was running his routes like before the first down line on third and fourth down those kind of awareness kind of things but the game plan didn't really play to his strengths so next week when we see the playbook open up, because we'll see Kirk and those guys out there, I think next week is when we'll see him do more of the things he's more acclimated to. Because from a report in practice today, he scored like three touchdowns, him and KJ Osborne. So these guys are doing the things in practice. And we just have to give them the opportunity to do well. And I think we'll get that next week. Uh, and I'm sorry, sir. This is this is Mary's world. Mary gets the big booming introductions. Maybe Jake if he pops in. <laughs> But we're working on it soon, 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 soon. Keep showing up, and we'll work on it. We got to figure out what your nickname is going to be and all that stuff. But you will also get an introduction. We just got to figure out, you know, yeah, what we're going to call you in this. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Freddie's talking about that wide receiver three. I mean, it's it's going to be a KJ Osborne likely to start the season. It's all about when D.D. Westbrook comes back, though. That's probably going to be the the situation to keep an eye on. I mean, if he can. If D.D. Westbrook can get up to speed by the third preseason game, you should see him play some snaps week one. Um, he'll especially be the punt returner. Um, but right now it's been K.J. Osborne. He's been uh, he's been showing out in camp. So for now, I think it'll be him. Yeah, Miles, keep going on the, on the wide receiver front because I know Deshaun alluded to it. Uh, you know, said people, but we know those people 
were, were Miles, who were real, real disappointed in, in, uh, in what was going on with, with, with ISM. So talk to me about what it was that you were seeing. Uh, Deshaun called out some of the things around like, you know, awareness pieces. But I, I know that there were some just like some technical elements to his route running that you also weren't very, very pleased to see when with ISM based on like the hype we were hearing versus what we actually saw when it was game time. Yeah, so, yeah, Deshaun, that was perfect exp- explanation about it. The third and fourth downs, like, there are certain routes, like a speed out, for example, where I think it was a fourth down play where he, he cut it like two yards. He cut it at like two yards on a – I think it was like fourth and six. I don't know the exact distance, but it, was, it wasn't that far. And he cut it at two yards. In those situations, coaches give you a little bit more freedom to, to take the route a little deeper to make sure you get that first down because that's what you need. Catching the ball at two yards doesn't do you anything. So those are types of those situational um, plays that, you know, uh, ISM needs to be better with. And um, his route running just looked weak, like, all game. Like, my, my, my daughter right here is like, she's like, yep, that's terrible. She just farted. <laughs> she just farted. So, like, she didn't even tell you that. Like, that's how she feels. And, like, that's what watching him play on Saturday, that's kind of what it felt like. It wasn't, like, to, to Deshaun's point, the, the playbook was really vanilla but I want to see more effort from him too. Like you might, these guys, the issue with what these guys are doing is you're not reliant on the quarterbacks right now. You're reliant on what you do when, on a one-on-one basis against a DB. And so like a, a Amir Smith, Marset, when you're, when your routes, it doesn't matter if you're getting the ball or not, win your routes. And so I didn't see that. I didn't see it consistently where he, he would win a route, even if he wasn't getting a target. And then when he did get a few targets, uh, some of the, the contact was, was really struggling. He was really struggling with some of the contact. And so um, you just want to see, like, I believe that as a rookie, if they want to get him in the mix, it needs to be more as like a gadget player. But if he wants to evolve himself to be more of a complete receiver, he's going to have to start com- uh, understanding and how, and how to learn to, to beat press coverage, to, to, to run more crisp routes, uh, to stem at, you know, a better stem at the top of his route. Uh, and those, those types of nuances that the re- receiver position, you know, uh, needs. Um, but in the preseason, they're not going to give him those snaps. They're not going to make him a gadget player in the preseason. They're going to ask him to go out and play receiver. So he's got to step up and do that, and that's his chance to do it. And you just didn't see it, and you didn't really see it from anybody else either. Like, I think KJ Osborne did fine. I mean, he didn't. He, there wasn't a lot of opportunities for him, but when, when he did, he did fine. Uh, Watt Fillier, like, you got to catch that touchdown. I know it's I know it's a tough situation, but like you got to catch that. Like you're a guy trying to make the team. Um, I thought it was a touchdown, by the way. I'm just just the angles I saw. I thought it was a touchdown. Anyways, I mean to be uh, fair, it he, saved us from 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 PA talking about WAP on the uh, the broadcast beyond just a little bit that we got there because like nobody nobody needs any of that. We don't need PA quoting Cardi and and Megan Thee Stallion. So I think we I think right, that, I right. think that we all dodged a bullet with that with that drop TD. Even though you like to see the man make a play, uh, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. So that, uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, right. So talk to me. What happened? Like a couple weeks ago, I was told that Jake Browning was the man. Locked in QB two, you know, he was vaxxed up, ready to go handle business. And he got out there and looked terrible. Like, right. what's up? What, what happened? Well, I'm going to quick back up real quick to the ISM. His route running looked like Drake in that, in Drake's music video. <laughs> like it was bad. So he needs to clean that up, but he does better in practice. I don't know what happened if the bright lights got him all, nervous or something like that but that was bad you know to to go to your question though jason uh yeah you know browning's exactly who we thought he was i mean he's been on the practice squad for two years unclaimed i mean if he was this you know godsend of a backup quarterback somebody would have claimed him off off those waivers over the last two years he he's not it he wasn't it in college he's not it now the only reason he got pumped up was because he was vaxxed and he was the only guy we had so we had to pump him up I mean, even, you know, Mond, after the little bit he played on um, on Saturday, and I, I know he kind of got trashed a little bit too. I thought he played relatively well just given the fact that, again, given a pretty blanket, you know, um, you know playbook to work with, they're, they're being really conservative in the play calling, and he had, had very limited practice. Camp. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he had very limited practices just because he had COVID and that's something he really does need to figure out. He needs to get, he needs to get that back if he wants to be the backup quarterback, since we know QB one won't. So um, I I think that, I think Mon kind of showed what we need in a backup quarterback, just the versatility he could bring the, the hope that he could bring, even if he's not going to win us nine, 10 games, if, if we get in that situation, he at least brings the fan base a little hope. Brings gets people in the stands, makes a few ooh and ah plays. Browning's not that. He's I don't know. Warm milk is that is that an expression? I don't know. He's he's bad. Like he's uninspiring. He you you don't want him out there uh, unless it's just the worst case scenario or you're tanking, which you know they don't really do that in the NFL. So I, I'm not a fan. I think honestly no, no, I don't the, even think he should Viking, be. The Vikings don't tank. Other teams like the Philadelphia Eagles they tank. The Vikings <laughs> sure don't do sure. It. We don't do that. You know, I, I, in all honesty, and I'm not like even this that big of a fan or anything, or I'm not like diehard on this take or anything. But you know, we've I've seen enough from Browning in in my you know two three years he's been on the team. I'd rather go grab like a Josh Rosen and just see what else he brings and and let go of Browning. I know it's kind of tough to do because of the playbook, learning the playbook and all that. But I'm so uninspired by Browning that I don't even think he should be on this team. So. Dry toast. Yeah. I mean, whatever bland ass, uh, you know, comment or analogy you want to give, that is Jake Browning. Okay. Miles, why are our special teams so bad? And like, why are they they consistently so bad? Help me out, man. Like, why, why does this keep happening? Why can't we get special teams figured out? I, that's what the part I don't get. Like out of all the things uh, during this first preseason game that should have been firing at all cylinders, it was special teams because all of the guys on that – yes, yes, agency. Yes, yes, um, like, out of all the things that should, should have been firing all cylinders, like, a majority of your special team's core players were playing on Saturday. So, at least your expected players on special teams were playing on Saturday. The guys that sat out aren't expected to be heavy contributors in special teams in a major way, the way the guys were on Saturday. So – to see how bad they performed, that's just – it's just disappointing. And you want to see better, like, from a coaching standpoint, from a, a punting standpoint, like, holy shit, Brenton Colquitt. Like, dude, you could kick rocks tomorrow. Like, that dude is not ready to – he, like, all he brings to this team now is being a holder. Like, apparently. So – and then the, the punt coverage and, and those things, like, it just needs to be better. And I'm sure, like, they're going to coach that up this week and you hope to see on Saturday a little bit better effort. But from a, from a whole – what we saw last year, they're arguably the worst special teams unit, like, to, in totality last year. So um, so you hope you hope to see – and we were, we were blaming uh, who's the special team coach last year that they fired. Um, May Mayloff? May, Maloff? Uh, Maloof? Whatever. Yeah. Maloof. Thank you. Marwan. Marwan. Marwan Malouf. Yeah. And so everybody was blaming him, but like until we see actual improvement, I'm not going to give thick in this, the like benefit of the doubt. Like he's been here. So like, let's see, let's see this improvement because they really need to, they really need to step it up. What I will say though, it, it was, it was good to see ISM actually take that, that uh, kick return and make something of it. I mean, I think he only got a high shot step, at it. High step? Yeah. 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 I mean, like, again, it's, you know, and, and I don't know if the he's, ball, though. you know, you tuck that, you know, tuck that thing away. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think he's got a lot to improve, but like, you know, that was, you know, considering uh was Ngangu, uh, he, he uh, got hurt off the first kickoff. Nguangu, bro. Nguangu. The way I've heard people try to pronounce this, like, it's just funny. It, Sorry, it's all perfect uh, dictionary with the freaking names as you are, Miles. All right, I do my best, I read the things, Be better, and I still Ryan. can't pronounce it. I can barely read, yeah, man. Dude. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, but. Yeah, so you know he got hurt on that first play, so you know we didn't get a lot to you know see a lot out of him, which we were excited about because of that speed. And I even went to my son; I was at the game, and I go to my son. I'm like, "Watch him! He is blazing fast, and he got tackled like 15 yards out. Like it, it was very disappointing." But seeing ISM take that back, knowing that we have uh, D.D. Westbrook, who apparently today 
um, was as involved as he's ever been so far with practice in terms of fielding punts. He hasn't dropped one all camp yet, uh, and hopefully not at all. Hopefully, I don't have to say yet. And um, and and uh, apparently, he did some individual drills today too for, with the receivers. So you, you know, you have flip? you hear that flip? You have flip? Didi coming you back. That? You know, so now we got to figure out the coverage units. So the coverage units, to your point, Miles, uh, were atrocious. So we got to figure that out. Um, I'm not sure what we need to do there. I mean, because we have the guys who have the speed, who have the you know fortitude to get down there, and they're just not doing it. Zach Davidson, backup tight end, starting punter. <laughs> Let's get it. Hey, can we talk about Let's tight end, it. Jason? Okay, yeah. Well, so talk about it. So. I was saying the other day, uh, I, I said it on Matt's pod, uh, Matt, Matt's show last week on the Happy Hour show. The tight end depth is is suspect to me. Conklin's hurt right now. It sounds like he'll be okay. It's minor now. Uh, they were worried, but it, it, he should be good to go week one. What like Zach Davidson and, and Brandon Dillon are like the guys behind him, but none of them showed anything special on Saturday. Nothing. They didn't show anything that like from a blocking standpoint, from a you know, a route running or, or catching ability standpoint. It just, it didn't, you know, like the last few years, what the Vikings have had at tight end, they've had really good depth. They had Rudolph, they had Irv, and they had Conklin as your third tight end. Well, you get rid of Rudy, you have Conklin and, and Irv. That's a really good duo, but you don't have the depth behind them. Like, and Davidson, I wouldn't expect anything from Davidson as a rookie to come in and, be, and to be anything. He needs to develop himself. That's not a, like, that's okay. Like, to expect a lot from a guy like Zach Davidson right now is it's unfair to him. And so I'm just kind of surprised that they haven't even going into camp, didn't consider looking to find a, a like cheap veteran third tight end, just someone that has a little bit of experience, but yeah, that's just another, another issue. I feel like with depth wise that, that they could look to improve. I think it really light. that I have any of you worried for any of you. So Miles is worried about tight end. Uh, any other positions like the the depth, like after this game, is uh, wide receiver. I'm always yeah, worried about wide making receiver. you nervous. <laughs> and safety. When Dede Westbrook's going to solve all that, we know that already. So yeah. like, so like Deshaun, tight end Deshaun's for Miles. Ryan, uh, what about you? And then I guess we'll, we'll get yeah Deshaun uh, on the safeties. You don't get to steal Deshaun. Yeah, I mean I. He's right. <laughs> I, I won't steal the shines. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm never that worried about uh, linebackers, but apparently that linebacker depth is pretty bad. You know, they didn't play play well at all on Saturday. Um, so I, I was, I was, you know, that that's I guess a level to be concerned, especially now that like Bar is hurt uh, apparently, and and we don't know much about that injury outside of there's an injury. So you know, with him being out, you know, we don't have the. I mean, I think Nick Vigil's the kind of next man up, but we don't have that next, like Eric Wilson type guy to kind of come and step in. So um, I think that there's some concern there. Obviously, I agree with Miles at tight end and receiver. Um, yeah, and quarterback because I'm, I don't believe in Kirk <laughs> and I don't believe in our uh, Jake Browning, so as, as you know, I said before. So, yeah, gas station sushi. Uh, Deshaun, talking about the safeties and, uh, is cornerback depth an issue? Because Dantzler, I mean, I'm not sure what 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 happened out there. What was going on with that, him? In listen, game? that play wasn't on Dantzler. That was that was the safety though. I'm not just way. talking about <laughs> the one play. I'm also talking about some run support. Like Dantzler yeah, just had oh, a bad yeah. game all around. It wasn't just the one just play that got highlighted. It. Like he, he just he just did not look. He looked. He did not look like he was. He was. He was like where he needed to be. He looked a step behind the whole game. Yeah, and and the tackling, I kind of give him a little bit of slack on because it is his first time tackling. It's their first time tackling. So if it becomes a prolonged issue, it can become a concern. But last year it wasn't bad to the point where you're just like, oh, this is continuing. So I mean it wasn't even a missed tackles though is he was he was missing contain. Like he 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 yeah, got was, contained yeah. two or three times. It's like you can yeah. at least just be there, right? And and force them back inside. Like you can't be missing contain when you're a second year player that's fighting for a starting job in my opinion. But I mean, but, but, but like I said, like last year, it wasn't stuff we were seeing. So this is like something that's probably easily fixable and probably something that Zim was probably pretty hard on him about. But these safeties, all I think it was three of them. It was Metellus, Dorn and Bynum. They were all terrible, like multiple plays, like just being horrible. <laughs> like I remember specifically on the touchdown that got combat, called back for the for the Broncos. Wanda actually did a pretty solid job of 
like shielding off the tackle and Doran comes in and he just completely whiffs and the guy scores a touchdown. But I mean, thankfully Boyd was like held or something and it got called back and then Bynum with the long touchdown. And then it was just, it was just play after play after play for these guys. All three of them, just nobody showed anything at all. Yep. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, when does Dakota Dozier get cut or do you think he makes it through to, uh, is Dakota, is Dakota Dozier on the team week one? Miles. Yep. Hundred percent. Right. I would. I would bet. I don't I think bet so. Something. Yeah, I do. Oh, uh, Miles. Miles, I'll bet, you, I'll bet you a beer next time we get together that he's not on the team. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with no. Just because. Just because Samia and Cole looked good. I'm gonna go with no. I think Samia becomes our new Dozier, which I don't know if that's better or not. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, listen, uh, he didn't give up a pressure. Samia been he been out there working. Well, apparently oh, left guard's the, the spot for him, not right. <laughs> oh man. That uh no, I just got no, a little I, I got think, I got nervous when yeah, you said that. Right. No, no, real talk though. <laughs> I think Dozier makes it like I think Dozier makes it because they just like the familiarity and they know that he could play I, I, I say this in like in the most like yeah. They know that he can play multiple positions. Like I'm not saying he can actually do it like well, but they like they they know that they can trust him to do his assignments and and play multiple positions because he knows the offense. So, like unless like to your point, Deshaun, unless uh, Samia really does continue to step up, um, if they like Mason Cole's like position flexibility, um, and then you obviously have why if Wyatt Davis can can have some position flexibility with Oli Udo, that could be an opportunity where they're like, all right, Dozier, you're out. Because and then maybe they call Dozier later in the season if somebody gets hurt because Dozier's gonna be on his couch anyways and so I mean that could yeah, be Joseph keep keep hitting us with comments like that and you you yeah we're giving you shoutouts but real talk actually you know we might not even be talking about Dozier or Samia uh, being on this team because you know you got I, depending if they keep nine or ten offensive linemen you already have Davis Darisaw. And and then Brandel apparently is is like knocking out of the park, and then so really that that last spot if they only keep nine is between Cole, uh, Samia, and Dozier. Cole's the only one with center experience, you know. So well, you think they had who okay. Cole? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got, so he's got like two point five million guaranteed or whatever, two point three. So if they decide to cut. Or if they decided to keep 10, it's going to be between Dozier and, and Samia. Samia's cheaper. He's playing better, at least in one game that we've seen so far. But, I mean, they're both not great. And we'd probably be better off picking up somebody off the waiver wire uh, that gets cut from another team. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's going to be between those two for that final spot if they keep 10. And they might both be off if we only keep nine. So We can dream. All right, let's look ahead. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys... It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs who have big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. 
There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, David, David, David is here. David is on the screen. Dozier. Breaking news. Looking at PFF. Only on that one game, small sample size, out of everybody that blocked in week one of the preseason and played 20% of 62 snaps, that's only 12 snaps, there's 383 players that got grades. Dakota Dozier finished 383rd, dead last. That deserves to be cut. It's commitment, Dave. He might might be cut tomorrow when we sign Everson. We got to cut somebody. That that safety he caused, I've never seen that before. I've never seen someone cause a safety when a line of scrimmage was like seven yards like ahead of them. Like I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, he's he's out here doing new stuff, stuff I ain't never seen before. This man is crazy. Yeah. Was Shamar Stefan lined up across him? No, no less. Like, hey, Shamar oh. Stefan revenge game. That man played angry. <laughs> first time, first time, I, first time I ever seen that dude get pressure. <laughs> I mean. Granted, he did get the lineup across from Dakota Dozier. So, I mean, you know, chicken, egg. But let's look ahead. Miles, some starters are supposed to play. That's starting to trickle out. Uh, I guess, Miles, how how much do you expect to see the starters play in this this game, given that we have the the condensed preseason? Since there's only three games, I would guess maybe like two to three drives, maybe the quarter uh, from starters. And I think, as we say starters, I'm sure they'll some will play more than others. Like there are certain guys that don't need to don't, that don't need to see like Adam Thielen doesn't need to see a lot of snaps on Saturday. Give him a couple drives and bounce, you know that type of thing. Um, even an Irv Smith, I wouldn't even risk an Irv Smith playing too much on Saturday. He's that important to the offense. Um, you know, Daniel Hunter, if he can get a few snaps, you know, let him get his feet wet a little bit, and then and see you later. Um, but from like a totality standpoint, I bet like you'll see starters trickled in throughout like the first quarter. That'd be my guess. All right. And uh, Ryan, what are you looking for? Like, are you expecting with some starters playing that maybe the like things get opened up a little bit on offense? Like given the showing that the offense had and granted it was backups and Jake Browning and all that stuff. But given how just God awful it was, are you expecting that we're going to like we're going to open things up at all in this game? Or do you think it's still going to be three steps, slant, three step out, uh, run, 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 punt? Let's have our special teams get as much work as they can in this game like what are you hoping to see well unfortunately we just don't know what we're going to get out of this offense that might be our offense we don't know that we we haven't seen clint ever call a game before so maybe that is the game plan and we weren't and we were being we were being as exotic as we could be last week no i I, i'm really hoping to to see that uh playbook open up just a little obviously we're not going to show too much we're not going to show our gadget plays we're not going to show some of our our fun stuff but you know seeing a little you know especially for not so much even the first team because we do know what they can do just given last year and again obviously it's a new playbook but i'm guessing it's pretty much you know pretty similar um i'd like them to open it up a little bit more for mond um i i'm hoping and i bet we'll see him as qb2 um so probably midway through the first if not into the second we'll see him come in for kirk and i'm hoping that they open it up more for him because i want to see what he can do to instill that confidence for myself and hopefully for the fan base that if kirk does go out with covid that we have a competent guy that can at least hold you know, uh, you know, take the flag for at least a week or two until Kirk can get back. So um, I, I want to see that playbook that, up, open up just a little bit more. What? I was just going to say, Ryan, with, with that with that Mon situation, I would love I like Mon shouldn't have the same exact playbook as a Kirk Cousins. So I would mm-hmm. love like for them to give him his own little bit of like a package, because if he were to come in and be your backup, it shouldn't just be the same offense because he can he could do a little bit more within an offense that can be a little bit more creative than what Kirk can. So you would like, yep. I'm just trying to piggyback on what you're saying. Like I would love to see a little bit more of that, like added nuance to a play, to a, a playbook for Kellen Mond specifically, not, not, you know, not just tailored to Kirk. 
They did sneak an option in there last game. Yeah, no, that's a good point. They did, yeah. We've seen Kirk do that, but it's not pretty. (laughs) QB power with Kirk last season was tough. (laughs) Deshaun, we got you in here to talk O-line. So, uh, yeah, we got some starters playing. Okay, how much, in your view, should, not will, but how much should the Vikings uh, first team O-line play in this game? And then how much do you think they actually will play in this game? I say you come out the gates and you just do some confidence builder stuff. I say if you come out, you open up the playbook just a little bit, you get Kirk throw in, you get one confidence builder drive, and if it comes out and everything goes your way, I think one drive is enough. But I think if you come out and you start seeing things leak, you start seeing guys doing what they're not supposed to do, I think you have to get them a little bit more reps. So the last couple of preseasons, we've actually had like where the offense comes out and the QB will go four for four for a touchdown. I think Kirk did it, like Teddy was doing it. So I think that's something that we'll get again. But if those guys start to mess up, I think we'll see them for probably half the first quarter. And then you'll see guys like Brandel and Dozier start to fill in. Okay. I think it would be good though. First, uh, I want to see this actually. Man. This is actually like a matchup that I'm actually really excited to watch though. This week is I'm hoping that the Colts do play some of their defensive line because like DeForest Buckner, may, you know, he made Samia into a meme last year uh, with with uh, the way he tried to block him. I want to see what <laughs> Udo does in that situation. Like, can Udo hold the zone with that power that he has? Right. I want to see this offensive line go against this defensive line if they're playing their starters and see how they hold up and see are we better than last year or are we is it just much of the same with just new names? Because um, you know, according to Deshaun, if they're better, we're going to the playoffs and maybe a Super Bowl because that's all we are missing. Are they better, Deshaun? Listen, I, are we now a Super Bowl team? <laughs> I <laughs> I think I carry a little bit more confidence than everybody else. Just because when you do the research, Bradbury has two 10-game stretches in his two seasons where he averages less than one pressure giving up a game. Granted, that's only half his career games, but he's done it before and we've seen him be at least serviceable. Ezra Cleveland only had two bad games. Of course, in those two bad games, he gave up like four sacks and like 16 pressures. But in his other like seven games, he was, to his defense, he was going up against Grady Jarrett and the Dom Kinsu. So, I mean, like, it was almost expected. But in his other, like, I think it was, I think he played nine games last year. In his other seven, he was actually like an average to above average guard. So we have those guys, and then we have Brian O'Neill, who's been pretty consistent his whole career. So we have these guys in place where the confidence should be there, and then there's just Udo, and then there's the Hill Derisaw, where I feel like that's where this O-line is really going to either be bad or be really good. But I have the confidence in Udo because, I listen, I've been on the Udo train since 18. I like this game at tackle against the Bears. I think it translates well to guard. I like Udo. I think he does fine. And I think you can afford to have Darisol and Hill not have to be great. I feel like if you can get the interior guys working well consistently, you can give either Hill or Darisol help on the outside when they're going up against those top tier guys and be a good offensive line. And yes, we're a Super Bowl team. No, we're not a Super Bowl team. We're not a Super Bowl team. We're playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> You know the worst ESPN part, though, projects us like- at 24 for pass blocking. Just like they're looking oh. at it. They say we're going to be the 24th ranked pass blocking offensive line this season. Obviously, predicting the future is very difficult, but like that's the range they're putting us in. Deshaun, do you feel like that is fair or harsh? Or where would you see the Vikings pass blocking coming in versus kind of the projection that ESPN put out today? Given recent history and also just given, I feel like you have to have, you have to be a fan and do the research to actually like have any kind of confidence in this guy. Because outside looking in, you're looking at this offensive line, you're going like, these guys suck. So 24th from an outside perspective is fair. Because now you're, you're counting on a rookie tackle. You're counting on a guy that's never played guard before. You count on a guy that's now a converted tackle guard, and now he's flipping sides. And then the league just thinks Bradbury sucks. Like everybody in the league thinks Bradbury sucks. And then your only guy is, is Brian O'Neill. <laughs> so from an outside perspective, 24th is fair. It's completely fair. I think they've been like worse than that the last like three years, like 28th, 29th. So I do, I do agree that's fair from ESPN. 
Okay. Where do you think we're going to land? I think we land somewhere similar to 2017. I have us around 17 or 16. So last season, 16 was the Philadelphia Eagles. And when you when you kind of compare their positions to our positions, it's super attainable. Because I think Cleveland even maybe outperformed their guard. And I think Udo can actually – their guard guard play wasn't great. I think their, their best spots were Jason Kelsey at center, and then he had two pretty good tackles. So we already have that other good tackle. I think if we can get those four guys and those three guys in the middle and then help whoever Hill or Darisau, whoever ends up starting, we can attain 16th. And I think that does wonders for the offense. But also, like other teams, offensive lines potentially got better as well, right? Like Eagles, offensive lines, I, I don't know if they're healthy or not, but probably adding Brandon Brooks back, who was missing all last year. Um, other teams drafted guys and, 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 and signed free agents. You know, Chargers were awful. They're, they, I think their offensive line got better. The Chiefs' offensive line, well, I don't know where they ranked season long, but they're significantly better than they were last year. So, I mean, we, we – Although we might improve from the from you know what we're producing, other teams also potentially could be improving or you know getting worse. I guess you don't know. Uh, so that that should be interesting. I I think probably in the low twenties is probably right. I think where the improvement is going to come the most is your is this team isn't going to throw as much as they did last year because they won't need to, and because the way this this offense operates, they don't want to throw the ball because they want to run Dalvin Cook into the ground. I, Jason, I'm with you. You know you know how I feel about it too. But, like, that's the reality. So if they're in more, you know, um, you know, um, even game script, um, you know, the, the game's attainable, you know, they're not down by a lot early or, and having to come back if they're, you know, if they're pretty even in, in the game's uh, script, I think you'll see the offensive line improve because they won't have to be in straight drop, drop back situations as often. So, when they get into their play action, when they get into their boots, they get into all those situations. Um, the offensive line is only going to be um, is only going to benefit because that's what they want to be in. That's what their strengths are. So um, I think that's where you're going to see a lot of the the true improvement. I don't know if it'll be from like a an overall grade standpoint, but you'll see it on the field. You'll see the impact come if the offense and the def- and the defense is helping out by not giving up thirty plus points a game. Like you're going to see the way. Um, the overall improvement because they're not going to be trash like they were last year. Yeah, we saw we saw that last season also. Uh, Bradbury's play kind of fell off a cliff after week eight when Kirk kind of shot up to third in attempts. The whole offensive line as a whole, I think Dakota Jozier had like five games in a row where he gave up six pressures or something crazy. Yep. So that, that could be something that we do see again. Where if they have to, you know, game after game, go up in those passing attempts where things do kind of get worse. Hopefully with this defense down, that won't have to happen because that's what you kind of saw. The defense wasn't holding up and they were having to pass all the time and they're just not. They're not at the point where they can be a drop back team. We'll see what happens this year. I don't see that magically changing after one season where they can just drop back every time. But I think they'll get to the point where they can drop back. A little bit, and then maybe like when the defense is not pinning their ear back coming after us, they can be okay. Okay. Well, there it is. We uh, we are hoping for average, uh, so long as no one knows that we're going to pass. <laughs> at which point, maybe ESPN was being too nice to us. Who knows? Who knows? But that is it. That is all. We've made it through all the things we wanted to talk about. Uh, shout out to all of the folks in the chat hitting us up. Flip Tanishka can come on whenever. Why don't you hit her up in the in in the group chat and see when she's free, and we can get her on anytime. Uh, and what was the other thing that we wanted to? Da, 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 da. Nope, that was it. That was it. That was all the stuff that was going on in there that we wanted to hit up. And uh, oh, Seth wants to know where. So Nick has to work. Eric's on another show, and <laughs> Flip. <laughs> Flip, Flip is working too much, you know. Flip has got a post-game show, Thursday show. Flip's taking the day off. <laughs> talk a little smack. And, uh, Jim, that is it. We might have to switch up our ha- our hashtag for CTP. Hoping Let's for just average. hope for average. I love that. Let's just hope for average. <laughs> hey, Let's that's, not- a daily mo- Man, that's a daily I- motto you got to live by. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, 
did did Seth just call us like the preseason game one, like just a bunch of backups and scrubs or what? I mean, damn, Seth. <laughs> they can they're there. Yeah. Ryan and Deshaun have feelings too, bro. Joseph, <laughs> Yo, uh, good, hey. job. good job to you too. Bro, Great I comment. Uh, about my, Keep about it my up. kid too, Seth. God damn. Yeah, well, two shout-outs shout real quick. Two shout-outs real quick. Your daughter has been amazing. You've been on this whole show, and I barely heard a peep. Congrats on that. Uh, and and tomorrow, so I'll be on the show tomorrow night, uh, Vikings Happy Hour. Uh, we got me and Matt coming back, and we actually have one of the opponents um, talking heads. So we got Chris Blystone from SB Nation. Uh, I think they're called Stampede Blue for the Colts. Uh, he's going to be joining us, so we can do kind of like a – uh, a cross team preview of, of the preseason game that we have coming up. Uh, so maybe we'll get a little bit more insights on their teams, their concerns, what they're excited about. And we'll talk a little bit about ours all over just a couple cocktails. So make sure to join in everyone. I know a lot of you guys join multiple shows, so appreciate the love, appreciate the CTP love and let's, uh, let's keep going. There it is. David. I'm here. Thanks, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you got anything for us today or uh no i just ryan got the plug for tomorrow night as we have a guest from the opposite side to join us which should be fun especially when we're drinking so until then after that of course we got uh viking hot takes on thursday and then we roll into the weekend schedule with the uh, Post-game show, which is being relabeled after one show. It's going to be now the final score. And you'll see us live by the time of the last final whistle. We'll be the first show on. I might be drunk, so bear with me. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Until then, skull everybody. Play the music. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climb in the Pocket. Skull, everybody. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Axe miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.